If you have a Bible and you're staying here, turn to John chapter 20, uh, verses 24 through 31 is where we'll be talking about our story this morning. And, uh, you know, nicknames are always special. In the last uh, couple of years, I did this thing about nicknames to look them up. And, you know, in the South, nicknames are a big deal. Uh, in fact, when I met Erin and she was explaining half of her family, I realized that half of them were by nicknames. So I was like, is that his real name or is that his nickname? And so uh, there's an article that I read. It was top 10 nicknames in the South. So top 10 nicknames in the South. So if you hear one of these names or you have family members with these names, uh, you might as well be able to say you might be a redneck if you have more than two or three of these. Uh, coming at number 10 is Ace. Uh, number five is, I mean, number nine is Buddy. Uh, I think I know a Buddy as well, right? Uh, number eight is Mimi. Number seven is Boo. Number six is Captain. All right, I've met a few captains before. Number five is Honey. Uh, number four is Sweetie. I think somebody waited on me and called me that one time. But anyways, uh, number three is Sugar. Number two is Tootsie. Not sure there's any Tootsies around here. Number one is Old Goat. No, I'm just teasing. It wasn't Old Goat. That's a joke to the Lee family. Number one is Bubba. So if you know a Bubba, you might be a part of those things. But anyways, this morning we're going to talk about someone who's pretty famous for their nickname. Uh, matter of fact, if you say something crazy or outlandish like the Jaguars are going to win the Super Bowl next year, and you say, that is crazy. Somebody might say, oh, don't be a Doubting Thomas, right? You ever heard that? Like, don't be a Doubting Thomas. Don't be the one that always doubts something like that. Well, uh, in the story of John chapter 20, we're going to talk about Doubting Thomas. And the, we're going to talk about the spiritual transformation of Thomas that we'll read in this story. And hopefully, uh, for you and for my life, we can see how it can change our life as well. Uh, just to catch you up on the storyline so far in John chapter 20, Jesus had died on the cross uh, he was taken down. He was laid in the tomb. And uh, there they were. Um, there, as chapter 20 opens up, we see Mary's coming to the tomb very early in the morning. Um, she's one of those morning people, all right? Now, I know you guys aren't morning people because you didn't come to the early service. So uh, we get irritated or annoyed by the morning people sometimes, right? So she was up. She was, she was excited. She got to the tomb to see uh, what Christ might have said or what he might have done. When she got there, the stone was rolled away. And praise God, Jesus wasn't there, right? He was gone. And so she went to the tomb. She saw uh, this, uh, this empty tomb. She ran back. She told the disciples. They came back. Then they went back to meet together in a room. But Mary stayed there. And while she stayed there, she got to encounter Jesus Christ. She stayed at the tomb. And Jesus came to her and said, Mary, here I am. And I'm Jesus. And then later on, when we pick up the story, the disciples are gathered back in the upper room. And then here comes Jesus going to appear to them. That's where it brings us to verse 24. Um, this is what happens. So verse 24 through 21, it says this. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. And he, so he said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Verse 30, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, 
which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And when you come to this story, what an amazing story, right? Uh, the story here, as we see the spiritual transformation of Thomas, one preacher that I read broke it down like this. Thomas pouted, Thomas doubted, and then Thomas shouted. All right, that's a pretty good outline, right? And we see all of them here. And what's really neat about this story is this transformation that happened in Thomas' life because of experiencing and meeting the resurrected Jesus Christ. And so when it opens up, Thomas wasn't with the group. The disciples were in the upper room. Christ had appeared. And for whatever reason, Thomas wasn't there. Now, there are several reasons or possibilities of why Thomas wasn't there. And I'm going to show you why I think he wasn't there. But some of the others say, well, Thomas was simply busy. He had a lot of responsibilities. He had a lot of things to do. He just wasn't there because he was busy doing other things and he missed it. One pastor said, that's why you shouldn't skip church on Sunday nights is because you'll miss Jesus. But anyways, I don't know if that's true or not, but he was just busy. He wasn't there. And, or some people might say, well, he was mad. He came to church and got offended. Don't you love people like that? They come to church, they got offended. And, and he didn't like the other disciples. And the disciples got mad at him. And they had a tiff and they had an argument. And Thomas wasn't speaking the other one. I don't want to be around you anymore. I don't want to see you anymore. And so they, they wasn't together. But there's no record of that in the Bible. There's no record of that history. Thirdly, I would like to share what I thought might, or what I think might happen with Thomas was that I think Thomas had got to a point to where he had given up. I think Thomas, to him, the, 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 the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the death of Jesus Christ was kind of like the last straw for him. I, I think Thomas was going along with Jesus. And you can read through the story. Thomas was a very dedicated guy. Thomas was like an all-in guy. He was like all or nothing. And, and several times, Jesus was saying, hey, they want to come kill me. And Thomas says, oh yeah, if they want to come get you, let's roll. I'm right behind you. Like, I will, I will help you fight to the very end. Another time, Jesus said, where I go, you can't go. And Thomas says, oh, how? I must go. Like, show me how to go. I want to go where you are because I want to follow you. And he had all the dreams. He had all the hopes that this Jesus was going to come. He was going to conquer the, the Romans. He was going to conquer the Jewish uh, people. He was going to set up his kingdom so much so that the disciples were arguing. Uh, we're going to sit on the right hand or the left hand. Can I be your first person or your second person in charge? And they had these dreams and hopes of ruling and reigning. But when Jesus died on the cross, that all was shattered. All of a sudden, Thomas was like, wait a minute, all that I've been following after for these years now has come to a crashing halt. This is devastating. This is, this is being discouraged and it left him hopeless because he felt like Jesus had failed. He had felt like Jesus let him down. He had felt like maybe something happened that he was a little bit mad or angry the way it worked out towards God or towards Jesus Christ. Now, before we get too far down on Thomas, have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like Jesus let you down? Have you ever felt like in your life you had some situation or something that came into your life that swept you off your feet and you were confused or disappointed or you lost hope in God in your life? Maybe it was in a relationship that you thought would last forever, but all of a sudden it came to an end. Maybe it was a child that uh, something happened to one of your children and it left you with a sting of hopelessness or maybe in your health. You, you thought you were so in shape and you thought that you were doing well and all of a sudden you got news from a doctor that something was wrong with you and you realized that your life and your health was in jeopardy or maybe even your career. 
He thought, I got a great job, I make lots of money, I'm doing great, and all of a sudden you get fired, or you, your company begins to uh, phase you out. And maybe this morning, you're even here this morning, you might feel like that today. Maybe you feel discouraged, maybe you feel overwhelmed, or maybe the things of the world. Good Lord, when we watch the world and we see the news, maybe it's overwhelming to think about all the things that's happening in life. But one thing's common for all of us, we will all go through trials, we will all go through storms of life. I'm not exempt from it, and I'm sure you're not either. And I've been there to where I thought, man, God, what are you really doing? Like, this is something I didn't understand. This was not in the plans. This wasn't in the equation for me. And when you go through these storms, sometimes they sweep you off your feet. And a lot of times it's not if the bottom falls out, it's when the bottom falls out, right? What do we do? Like, is there a faith in God that can hold up under those circumstances? One pastor put it this way. He said, you're in life, you're either in a storm, you're heading out of a storm, or you're heading into a storm. And that's the way it feels a lot of times. And sometimes it can be overwhelming. And when we feel like God let us down, or we feel like something doesn't quite work out, well, we can come to Jesus just like Thomas. And we can realize the power that we have in that because Jesus has been right where we were. If you carry the story and you understand the story of Jesus, his life was, he, he came to this life and he lived a sinless life and he was walking on this thing and he was crucified. And yet even on the cross, he got to the, to the, the pinnacle of his pain and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was the son of man crying out to say, this was too heavy. This is too much. I've taken the sins of the world. But I love what one pastor said too. Jesus said, it is finished. The Bible doesn't say Jesus was finished. Amen, right? Because on his deepest and darkest day, he come to the death and hell and the grave. Yet on the third day, he was resurrected to life. That's not the end of the story. And some of you may be here this morning like Thomas and say, it's the end of the story for me. Like I failed in my marriage, or I failed with my children, or I failed in my career, or I failed with something in my life that's taken, my, taken me away, and yet I, I, there's nothing that will happen, there's nothing for me. The cross of Jesus Christ in the empty tomb says otherwise. The message is not that you won't have troubles and trials, but that you can have victory over them. And how do you turn it around? Well, Thomas gives us the exact thing we must do. Thomas first comes and he, said, he says, God, I don't understand. Thomas was honest about his spiritual condition. In verse 25, we see him tell the disciples, hey, I don't care what you saw unless I see it, unless I can put my hands in it, unless I can put my uh, hand in the side, I will not believe. A lot of times we just kind of go with the flow, right? The disciples could have said, Thomas, what are you doing? Don't rock the boat. Just believe it like everyone else and put a smile on your face and just walk through it and say, God is good. That's all you got to do. Like, just keep smiling and keep going through it. Like, even if you don't understand, don't rock the boat. Don't let people see weakness in your life. Don't let people know you struggle. But no, Thomas was like, I must say this. I must be honest because I don't believe. And unless I actually experience for myself, I'm not going to believe what you say. And I love that about Thomas. He wasn't a hypocrite. Thomas was honest. Thomas gave the honest answer before God, and he was before these disciples. He didn't pretend that everything was great and fine. And I think a lot of times in our life, especially in our walk with God, sometimes our biggest hindrance in our spiritual transformation is not wanting to be honest. Not honest with God, and not honest with godly people in our life. Because a lot of times, frankly, we're too self-righteous and we're too proud, right? We don't want people to know that we might have a question, or we don't want people to know we might struggle, and you know, have you noticed in the world that we live in that no one wants to confess or admit when they're doing bad, right? 
I mean, take, for example, social media. You take Facebook or Twitter and Instagram and all the rest. When was the last time you saw a picture of someone said, look how fat I've gotten over the years, right? You don't ever see someone posting pictures of them getting fat. You don't ever see people posting a picture of a husband say, look how sorry my husband is, right? He's like half the man he used to be. You don't ever see anyone posting pictures of an old beat down car that broke down, right? Look at my car. It's a piece of junk. No, you always see a new car. You always see a new place. You always see some of the best man ever or best woman ever, best marriage ever. And everything is surface and everything has to be good and everything has to be great. And don't think that doesn't happen in Christian environments either, right? We come to church and World War III at home, but when we step out of the car, how you doing? Too blessed to be stressed today, pastor, or <laughs> friends, right? It's, it's wonderful. I mean, our kids are doing great. We're doing great. Everything's wonderful. Everything's fine. You know, as a kid, my mom hates me telling these stories, but I can remember it used to amaze me. And my mom could be chewing us out or wearing us out. I mean, I mean, just uh, giving it to us. My dad's off at work, and we, we were home uh, picking, picking fights with her, and we're fussing and fighting. All of a sudden, the home phone would ring. Yes, we had a home phone in those days. And it had a big dial on it with a phone with a cord, if you can believe that. And, and she took that phone, and she, she'd snap her finger at us, point at us, and she'd pick up that phone, and she'd say, Hello? <laughs> I was like, how did that happen? Like, I mean, just a minute, you were chewing us out, and you were like, coming with a flip-flop for us, and all of a sudden, the sweetest tone of hello. And that's the way we are sometimes with our Christianity. We, we don't think that anyone can know we're struggling or any pain in our life, and we want to put on a good face before God, like we're going to let God down, or God can't handle our discouragement, or God can't handle us asking a question or asking Him what's going on in our life. And, and for us, when we're mad or we're discouraged or we're giving up, be honest. Like, go before God. You know why? Because God can handle it. Jesus Christ has answers. He can answer your, you can answer your brokenness just like he did Thomas here. He come to Thomas in verse 26, and after eight days, his disciples were inside, and Jesus came with the doors being shut. That's another cool story, by the way. All of a sudden, Jesus appears in this room, and he stands in the midst of them. And he says, peace to you, talking about to the disciples in general. Then verse 27, he turned to Thomas, and he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Wow. So now Thomas is with the disciples and Jesus appears and he says the common greeting. And then he looks over at Thomas. I'm sure Thomas probably could have fell down out, fell out, right? All of a sudden in shock, he was face to face with Jesus Christ. Ever been talking about somebody and they just show up in the room all of a sudden? You're like, oh, hey, how's it going, right? When I was in school and college, I had a position coach named Tracy Rocker. I told this story before. He was six foot four, 350 pounds. I mean, he was a mean dude. He won the Outland and Lombardi Trophy at, at Auburn University. He played in the NFL. He was, he was big, he was mean, and he was tough. And so we, he was my position coach in college, and we had this kid on our team named The Bull. His name was Todd Bullard, and so uh, Coach Rocker called him Ballard. That's what he called him. And so Bull was the class clown or like the team clown, and one day in, after practice in the locker room, he decided to run around and do the impression of Coach Rocker. And Coach Rocker had stiff knees, so he ran like, you know, scissors with his knees, and he had a really deep voice. And so Bull was running around like, hey, Owens, do that again, you know, and do this. He was clowning around. All of a sudden... Walked in the locker room was Coach Rocker, and everybody saw him but Bull, right? <laughs> so all of a sudden, we were like, oh, nobody's laughing. Nobody's looking around. 
Bull turns around. There was Coach Rocker. He looked and says, Bull, see me after practice. And we were like, oh, man, you are busted. And he was so scared. He was so worried because he knew what was going to happen to, what was going to, happen to him after practice. Well, I'm sure Thomas felt the same way. Hey, here I was talking about Jesus. He showed up. What is he going to do to me? Like, is he going to mock me? Is he going to belittle me? Is he going to cast me away and say, oh, you little, uh, oh, you little faith, like, what are you doing? Like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you be like the other disciples? No, look what Jesus did. He looked at him and he called him by his name. He said, Thomas. And when I think of that, I think of me being a father and all three of my kids on the greatest day of their life. I love to call their name because I'm so excited for them. But you know what? On the worst day of their lives, when they're broken, when they're sad, when they're upset, when I walk into their room or go to talk to them, I can still call them by their name in a loving, gentle way because I want the best that's for them in their life. That's the same thing Jesus does to Thomas. He says, Thomas, reach here, put your finger, put your hand in my side, reach here and do not be unbelieving, but believing. I mean, the sweet voice of Jesus, Thomas, I'm here. Look, touch, don't be unbelieving, but be believing. And listen, I don't know where you are spiritually in this morning, but I'm confident that, that, that you may feel like you have failed God so greatly that he wants to punish you or he wants to push you away or that he wants to somehow he's angry with you. Can I tell you, nothing is further from the truth than that. You know, I've been a pastor now for 15 years. I know you guys think about, man, 15 years. And he's still bad. I mean, good night. Like, he hasn't gotten any better. It's like, wow, he's old. Well, you guys have gotten old too. I keep looking around like, man, all these old people around here. I, they used to be babes like 15 years. But over 15 years, every Easter and every time I consider to, to preach or share God's story or share the message of God, you know, one thing that changes my life more than anything else that I want to share and I want people to know and understand that God loves you. That's it. That God loves you. I mean, when we get to the Easter story, we realize that we have a God that doesn't walk out on us. He walked in on us. That even though we sin, even though we have doubt, even though we have fear, even though we may struggle, and you maybe feel like you're the only person in the room that doesn't have it together, you'd be shocked and you'd be, you'd be, you'd be, uh, you would be surprised to know how many people have doubted and how many people have heartache and pain in their life. And you may feel like God doesn't care, but I promise you God cares. He doesn't want to shame you. He doesn't want to push you away. He doesn't want to say, hey, get out of here. What's wrong with you? No. Jesus stands with his arms open wide and he calls you by name. And he says, look, look to me. Look to the cross. I love you and I forgive you. And I want you to be in my life and fellowship with me. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the prodigal son. The prodigal son took his, to what the father had for him. He said, hey, I want it all. And he totally disrespected his father. He did what no one else should ever do or what someone should never do. He says, I want my inheritance and I don't care who you are and I want nothing to do with you. Give it all that I have. And he went off and he went to this world and the Bible says he squandered his wealth and he ended up in the muck and the mire of a pig pen. That's what he was. He had went from the, the palaces to the pig pen and he turned one day and he says, there's something wrong and I know I'm wrong. And he says, I've, and it's, the Bible says he came unto himself. And he says, I'm going to go back to my father and I'm just going to beg God, I mean, Father, can I just have be a servant? Can I just be one of those workers in the field? Because he knew his father must have been mad. His dad must have been ticked. Like, hey, you took it. You left. Don't you ever come back. I don't want to ever see your face again. I'm so ashamed of you. What a disgrace you brought to our family and our name. But you know what the Bible says? That when his father uh, would get up every morning, he would look the countryside. And that morning he got up and guess who he saw coming? He saw his son returning home. 
And you might say, well, what did he do? Well, the father ran. He didn't run away from his son. You know what he did? He ran towards his son. And he ran towards him and he threw his arms around and he kissed him and he said, for you, for, and the son said to the father, I have sinned against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called one of your sons. And the father said, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they begin to celebrate. What a story. And when you get to the Easter story, you realize the struggles and pains and heartaches in life. And even if you doubt God, Jesus Christ can handle them. God can handle them. He can, he can take our pain. He can take our questioning. And he can turn them into something because of what he has turned his life into. And Thomas, being overwhelmed with this message of Jesus Christ, he cries out in verse 28. This is what we read together. He said, he answered to Jesus and he said, my Lord and my God. Wow. I mean, this is one of the greatest and clearest confessions of Jesus Christ you'll find in the Bible. He didn't say my church. He didn't say my family. He didn't say my parents. He didn't say my good works. He didn't say my church membership. No, he said, my Lord and my God. He came to Jesus Christ and know that only Christ could do this for him. And Christ did it for him. And he proclaimed him as his personal confession in Jesus Christ. And he believed in him and a resounding yes. And he said, I believe in Jesus Christ. And as we see this personal confession of Thomas, we realize that all the promises of God and all the hope in Jesus Christ was found in him. And that's the way it works. When we come to Jesus Christ, we get all that Jesus has for us. You know, Jesus' story is pretty amazing itself, right? When Jesus was on the cross and he died, he said, my, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And we think it was all over. But three days later, there was a resurrection that happened. And because of that resurrection this morning, we can have hope in Jesus Christ that even when our family may count us out, or even when our friends may say we're done, or even when those at our church might say they've messed up or went too far, they can't, they've doubted too much, we can come to Jesus Christ and he can handle it. And he can change our lives because he has resurrection power in his life. Thomas pouted, Thomas doubted, and Thomas shouted. Amen? That's what he did. And in your life this morning, when we come to this story, I just want to challenge you this morning to look and see where you're at in your life because this message just wasn't for Thomas. Jesus comes, he says, and truly, I mean, he tells him, he says, Thomas, verse 20, I says, because you have seen me and you have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Some people believe this is a rebuke of Jesus on Thomas to say, hey, because you see me, that's why you believe, but there's others going to see. No, it wasn't a rebuke. Jesus was turning the story to all those after this. In verse 30, he comes, he says, I did all, uh, Jesus did all these other signs in, presence of, in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. You see, that's the hope. That's the message of Easter we have this morning. Not just Thomas can believe, but all can believe. That you can put your name in there. That the Son of God, that believing in Him, that you may have life in His name. And for you and for me, that's where we come to this Sunday morning. Maybe you're here and you think, well, I kind of showed up by chance this morning. And here he was talking about the, the story of Downton Thomas and what does it have to do with my life? I can promise you it wasn't an accident. It wasn't that God had made a mistake, or maybe you think you're here this morning, you walked in, you were pouting with God. Maybe you're saying, you know what, God did some things in my life that I just don't understand. God's had a situation or something in my heart that just made me upset, or maybe it's a tough situation in your life. Hey, I've had plenty of those. 
This year has been tough in my life as well, even before this year. And sometimes God takes us and He puts us flat on our back to understand there's no way to look but up. And a lot of times we say we don't understand. I've said this before many times in our life, things happen to us and we might understand them right away. Like things happen, you go, oh, that's exactly why God did that in my life. And then sometimes it takes a period of time before you understand them. Like something happens or something works in your life and 10 years down the road, you look back and you go, oh, that's why that happened. Look what happened. That's how God worked out in my life. That's how God worked that out in my life. That's how God worked that out in my family. But there are some things in life that happen that you won't even know the answer for why until you get into heaven. And those things are the ones we can bring to God and say, I'm placing them in your hands and I'm trusting in you, God, because if you can be resurrected from the dead, you can take my situation and my life and change my life. And I trust you with that. And I trust you with that. And wherever you are, whatever you may know, I know one thing's for certain, that God loves you and that God is calling for you. And he, Jesus doesn't want to push you away. He wants to, and he desires to bring you in. And he says, don't be unbelieving, but be believing. There was a lady, young lady named Charlotte Elliott in 1834. She had moved to Brighton, lived with her brother, who was a Reverend Henry Van, Van Elliott. And one day, her whole family had gone to church. They all served. They all could sing. They all could preach. Uh, and they could all do things in the church. And so she wasn't so. She wasn't very gifted. She wasn't very talented. On top of that, she had sicknesses. And she was, she was confined by her sicknesses. And she was thoroughly depressed about herself. She said she felt useless. She said she felt worthless. She felt lonely and she felt rejected. So one day when her family went to church, she decided she would go into her room and pour her heart out before God. And as she did, God began to work in her heart and she penned a hymn, a hymn that we all know, a hymn that most of those who have grown up in church know as well. She started off the stanza by saying, just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me. And thou bids me to come, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. And she closes it out by saying, just as I am, that I will receive, will welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because thy promise I believe. O Lamb of God, I come, I come, because thy promise I believe. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. And she said she realized that day when she, all she had to do was take all her heartache, all her brokenness, and all her pain, and without one plea, bring it to Jesus. And when you bring it to Jesus, He can answer the, the things of your heart and life. So you're here this morning. Can I plead with you? Don't come join a church. Don't come and try to do something to change your life. Don't come and try to do something to make yourself be better. Come to Jesus this morning. And if you have pain or heartache in your life, you don't understand uh, something, bring it to Jesus. He's able to, to take your pain. He's able to take your questions and your fears and he can turn them into it. And we come this morning to celebrate, not because of how good we are, or how, how much we have it together, but because of what Christ has done and through his resurrection, we can have hope. And because we have that hope in his resurrection, we can face tomorrow. That's what it's all about. And I pray as we gather this morning with our families that we'll share that with those that come into our lives and those that are together this morning as we begin to proclaim and even proclaim that further in our church this morning. I pray that we will do that. And I'm, I ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes for a few moments. And uh, as we pray this morning, I pray that God will uh, speak to your hearts and I pray that you will come to Jesus Christ who can handle all our pain and sorrow and sickness this morning.